Welcome to 2024. With the 2024 election on the horizon, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine, and numerous other foreign policy and domestic news stories, it's never been more important to stay informed. The DSR Network has you covered, with experts across all of these stories, to bring you the analysis and commentary of the stories that matter. Later this month, the DSR Network will introduce the TNR Daily, featuring Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, and a close friend of the show. Don't miss a moment of our coverage. Become a member of the DSR Network today. Members receive exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to attend DSR live events, a members-only Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. For the month of January, receive 50% off your first year of membership. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSR2024 at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSR2024. Thank you for your support. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is DSR's Daily. I'm David Rothkopf, one of your hosts, joined by your other host, because that's how that works. Chris Cotmore. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, thanks. And Riley Fessler. How are you, Riley? Doing very well. So, Chris, what do you have leading off today? I bet I can guess, but let us know. Uh, Yeah, so my first story is the United States and UK carried out attacks on the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, They attacked a military base, um, another military site, and a naval base in response to attacks in the Red Sea um, on ships that are carrying cargo. Uh, Biden has essentially said, um, enough is enough. These attacks will stop. Uh, the worry at this point is there will be some escalation. I think I saw some rumblings uh, about the Houthis uh, responding to the attacks. Um, I don't know. This this seems necessary, but I mean, we we are biting off a lot right now, aren't we, David? Uh, I think it seems necessary. Look, there were 27 attacks so far. The United States tried every available diplomatic channel. We set up an operation with 20 other nations that had uh, ships affected here. 50 nations have had ships attacked in those 27 attacks. Um, uh, We uh, sought uh, uh, another group of nations to um, condemn the attacks and call for their cessation. And on January 10th, the UN Security Council uh, voted to urge the uh, Houthis to stop. So, you know, the United States really ava- availed themselves of every diplomatic channel that was at their uh, disposal. None of those had worked. And the risk was that if the Houthis continue to do what they did, um, that, you know, it might result in loss of life or something else, which would accidentally produce demands for a much stronger response than what you saw yesterday. What you saw yesterday was the U.S. and the U.K. with the aid of a bunch of other countries um, um, conducting uh, something like 70 attacks from sea and by the air, um, 12 uh, different targets. The reports of deaths are somewhat limited at this point, uh, but they're uh, single-digit reports at this uh, at this hour. Um, 
and and the, you know the question is whether it works. Uh, I think the message to the Houthis is we are uh, don't want to see this escalate, but we also don't want to see it accidentally escalate. Uh, and if you keep this going, there's going to be a high price to pay. Uh, that said, the United States efforts to try to wind down the broader Israeli war in Gaza uh, and move it into a new phase are probably the thing that is most likely uh, to result in a turning down of these Houthi attacks. Uh, Having said that, my final point is this is not the beginning of another Gulf War. This is the United States having learned the lessons of past uh, wars in that part of the world, acting multilaterally, acting with diplomacy first, acting in a limited and proportional way, um, and seeking every available mechanism to avoid uh, getting dragged into a larger war. And for those reasons, uh, and because it was you know, called for by the circumstances, I think the attack will not get a lot of criticism. Oh, I said it was my last point. It's not. There's one last point. There are a bunch of people on the Hill, some on the right, some on the left, who said this is a violation of the Constitution. The president's not allowed to take action like this without getting the approval of Congress. That's not true. Um, The War Powers Act allows the president to act in self-defense, needs the Congress to approve broader wars. Um, uh, All of uh, modern history supports that uh, interpretation of this. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to carry that out a step further, this Congress can't even get a budget approved. Uh, they can't even support, uh, the most important national security priority we've got, which is helping Ukraine defeat Russia. Uh, so for them to say, Hey, come to us first is, uh, ludicrous, uh, not to mention legally unnecessary. Riley. So the U.S. has imposed fresh sanctions over North Korea and their missile transfers to Russia. Um, the sanctions are actually on three Russian en- three Russian entities and one individual uh, allegedly involved in these transfers and the testing of North Korea's ballistic missiles. This has been going on for, it seems, some time uh, with Russia kind of res- resorting to using North Korea's arms for their war in Ukraine. Uh, Blinken made a statement saying it undermines the global non-proliferation regime um, and follows the White House's assertions that uh, Russia has been using these short-range ballistic missiles for some time based on newly uh, declassified intelligence. And this follows both countries developing closer ties. Uh, However, they have denied uh, that they've been engaging these arms deals. By both countries, you mean Russia and North Korea? Russia, North Korea, that's right. Not not Russia and the U.S., certainly, or North Korea and the U.S., but yes, North Korea and Russia have been getting closer, but have denied these arms deals, which seems uh, kind of pointless at this point based on the intelligence. Yeah, I mean, it's a lie, but the Russians lie, the North Koreans lie. Together, they double their lies. Um, we know that North Korean missiles have been used in Ukraine, and we know that this is the appropriate response. Of course, you know, isolating North Korea, which is already known as a hermit kingdom, uh, has a kind of a a limited effect, but we got to do something. And this seems like the reasonable uh, thing to do in this uh, particular case. A better thing to do would be to fund uh, our support for Ukraine and beat Russia. Chris? Uh, Taiwan will elect a new president this weekend. Um, Frontrunner 
Lai Ching Ti uh, is expected to win the election. China is concerned that uh, his victory would move Taiwan more toward independence, um, which also uh, could impact the relationship between China and the United States, though I don't see um, China attacking Taiwan anytime soon. Um, it is fascinating to me. Uh, Biden has said that he will send an unofficial uh, group to Taiwan after the elections, um, which to me seems like a bit of a provocation, but um, I'll leave that to the experts to debate. Uh, nonetheless, something... Aren't you an expert? I mean, to. people are listening to you every single day. I mean, they assume you're an expert. I mean, the reputation of Deep State Radio and the DSR Network is that we turn to experts. If you're not an expert, who are you? I'm a generalist. <laughs> I, see. I see. Well, no, the world needs generalists. Uh, as somebody who has studied the China issue and the Taiwan issue closely for many, many years, because I'm much older than everybody, um, I would say this is pretty much par for the course, um, and that, in fact, um, the U.S. and uh, uh, China are watching this and seeing something that is replicated every so often. Uh, neither side wants to see this blow up. The Taiwanese don't want to see it blow up. Every so often, Taiwan sort of uh, tilts in one direction, tilts a little bit more in the other direction. Um, and, uh, you know, that hasn't stopped the Chinese from meddling in the election or making threats, because they always do that. Uh, and the United States always figures out some way to send some kind of delegation, but it's not official. Um, but then they carry a message saying, this is a message from, you know, somebody high up. And uh, uh, that's that's what I expect here. I would be very surprised if this does not turn out to be business as usual. Riley. Well, what is not business as usual is Argentina's uh, new president, Javier Malay. Uh, he has succeeded in absolutely soaring inflation in the country, reaching a 32-year high. Uh, it reached 211.4% annual inflation in 2023, uh, which is over double what it was in 2022. And according to Malay, this is all going to plan. Um, he sees this as a success. Uh, he's he's warned before that things are going to get worse before they get better due to his what he's called shock therapy. Um, but obviously that doesn't help anyone in the short term. Uh, it's been obviously a massive issue. Monthly inflation in December was twenty five point five percent, which is below the government's forecast of thirty percent, but still not fantastic for the people of Argentina. Um, Approximately 40% of the population is estimated to live in poverty. Um, and he still plans to convert the economy to the dollar after everything stabilizes. But who knows when that'll be if it stabilizes. What could have gone wrong? You know, you elect a lunatic with five cloned dogs who's an ex-tantric sex teacher who likes to, you know, sing at his public political rallies. Um and it's got very strangely shaped sideburns. I have to say it's a warning sign to me, but it wasn't a warning sign to the people of Argentina, who promises to do lunatic things and gets into office and starts doing those lunatic things. 
Um, the rich in Argentina thought, well, he'll protect our uh, asset value. Uh, that's what the shock therapy kind of thing usually does. It helps the banks and it helps the rich. Um, but uh, he's got to get there first and, and he's got a lot of hurdles. It's really tragic. You know, 100 years ago, Argentina was, you know, one of the largest economies in the world, uh, was doing um, great uh, and really extremely promising. Uh, and uh, time after time after time, they have seized defeat from the jaws of victory. And uh, I fear that the Malay presidency will do just that again. Chris? Uh, we have not reported on COVID in a long time, um, but today... How do you feel? Uh, I feel I feel good. Because oh, um, everybody I my... talk to, every day I'm talking to somebody who's got COVID again. We Travis David, Kelsey. David Korn was on our podcast yesterday. He's just getting over COVID. Oof. You know, it's just, it's lots, it's lots of people. Riley doesn't look that good to me right now. Personally, I think he's, he looks. I don't well. look that good any day though, David. You pardon, know that. Pardon me? That's every day. I don't, yeah. yeah. You know what you want to take, might want to think about vitamin D supplements. Another thing that's good uh, is, you know, you can get these kind of, lamps you know that help you fight seasonal affective disorder you know they're they i think they give you you know like ultraviolet rays and and it and it helps and it helps cheer you up and it gives you a little bit of a glow you could either of those things could really be helpful as we get into the into the heart of the winter anyway chris i probably am distracting from your story there uh no that's it i mean i think we, we we've <laughs> our seen story is ryan doesn't look so good i mean we've, Riley we, doesn't look so good yeah. But to your point, yes, we've seen an increase in cases. There is, in fact, an increase in cases. There is a new variant, the JN1 variant. This disease just continues uh, to morph like many uh, viruses do. Um, so get your vaccination. But I, I did I, I did learn about COVID toe, which I, I guess I, I haven't heard of. I try to consider myself as well-read, but I've not seen COVID toe, which is a uh, swelling and discoloration of your toes that is a symptom um, of, uh, of COVID. Um, hopefully, neither of you have had COVID toe because I can't imagine it looks uh, very appealing. I think my toes look great, to be honest with you. I spent a lot of time barefoot, and uh, I personally prefer to be barefoot. And, um, and, uh, I, I look at my toes on a constant basis and they look fine. Riley, how are you, how are your toes? My toes are looking great. Yeah. I have no COVID toe yet for me. Well, that's good. That's good. But if you have COVID toe out there in our listening audience, you want to tell us about it, please contact us through our Slack or via Twitter, because we want to hear everything about you, all the, all the details, uh, because we feel we're really one big, happy family here, just like the president of Argentina and his cloned dogs. No, that's a bad analogy, but we're all close. That, 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 that we are. Do you have a last story for us here, Riley? Yeah. So I, I kind of chose this last story because while Ukraine and Israel Gaza have kind of dominated headlines, uh, it's important to remember that there's a lot of conflicts around the world that still have a massive effect regionally. Um, and this is one such conflict where a UN helicopter was involved in some kind of incident in Somalia. And the UN confirmed the incident, but didn't officially release 
too much information about it, but an internal memo did leak confirming that nine people were on board. Uh, one passenger is believed to have been killed while six were reportedly taken captive and two fled. Um, and it's believed that they are being held by Al-Shabaab, which is a military or a militant group uh, with ties to Al-Qaeda and has been in conflict with the Somali government for years. Uh, and despite the government's kind of vow in 2022 to wage total war against the group, it still controls large portions of central and southern Somalia with the government kind of failing to dislodge them. So I think it's just important for everyone to be aware that even these conflicts that aren't always making headlines are still huge humanitarian crises. Yeah, and they're also important to the stability of the region, to the economic growth of the region. These countries will never recover economically so long as these uh, wars continue. Africa um, uh, faces uh, scores of conflicts um, in any given year, uh, and it is a real impediment to uh, uh, future uh, growth uh, in the in the, in the region, and and as you say, there's a humanitarian cost, uh, and frankly, the uh, the instability in these regions, uh, you know, feeds other things, whether it's corruption or whether it's the ability of uh, bad actors to take advantage of things in these regions. The the, the Russians. Um, uh, had been doing that kind of thing, using the Wagner Group as a vehicle. The Chinese have been trying to take advantage um, of countries in the region to satisfy their resource needs. Um, and, uh, you know, a little, little bit of chaos, a little bit of loose governance uh, creates opportunities uh, in that regard. So we, we, we should watch these things. We do watch these things. That's one of the purposes of of our conversations each and every day. And I think you're right to, to raise this one, uh, Riley. Uh, of course, it's the weekend coming up, and we wish everybody a great uh, weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday morning uh, with a full schedule of not just the DSR Daily, uh, but all of our podcasts uh, each and every day, and there are plenty of them. Uh, and there are going to be more, because I think week after next, we're going to start up with our uh, new daily uh, from uh, the New Republic and and host Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, which you'll be able to get via the DSR network as well as uh, on its own and via the TNR website. Uh, so that that's going to add a lot to what you can get, and uh, uh, we hope you'll join us for that too. Until then, bye bye.